Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. Happy Sunday. We're finishing up our work in Michael Tamura's book, You Are the Answer. The thesis of the book, of course, is that we all have a divine purpose for being on the planet, that we're all divinely appointed to be here and with some work to do on the planet so that we leave it better off than when we entered it. Last week, we covered one of the key science of mind principles, and that is that our past does not have to define our future. The principle is typically phrased as principle is not bound by precedent, meaning that tomorrow can be different than yesterday. And we talked a little bit about how our memory tends to fake us out, that the way that we retrieve our memories unfortunately tends to highlight some of the negative experiences from the past. And if we use that to be predictive, we're apt to think that the future is going to be bleaker or more difficult than really it has any right to occupy in our minds. And so hopefully we dispelled that idea that somehow our failures in the past will predict failure in the future. In spirit, every day is new. Every day is a fresh start. Every day we can make a difference in our own lives and in the lives of other people. Well, today I want to move on. I want to talk about two different ways that we can approach the idea of making progress in our life. And to do that, I think I need to talk about the difference between magical thinking and miracle thinking. Magical thinking is the belief that through some of our own efforts, if we just find the right way, if we just say the right words, if we just do the right thing, that somehow all of the pieces will fall into some magical place and my life will be perfect. And oftentimes we even try to recreate the past in that way. And have you ever had one of those times when over and over again in your head you replay a scenario and think, well, now if I had said this different, the outcome would have better. If I would have done this thing different, that's magical thinking. In fact, that's double magical thinking. It's not only magical thinking that there would be a different outcome, but it's also magical to think that you can redo the past, right? The past just happened. Let's move on. But I do notice that tendency, that wishful, hopeful way that if only I tweaked this, if only I searched out that, if only I did this one thing differently or, or approached something differently, then everything will magically fall into place. And I have to tell you, there aren't good metaphysical basis for truth behind that. That is magical thinking. That's, that's taking your wand and going, Wingardium Leviosa, I, I can do this. I can say the right thing. I can puzzle it out. And often that is not how we achieve our goals. So let's contrast that for a moment. Miracle thinking. Where magical thinking is, I'm going to do something on the outside so that the pieces will fall into place. Miracle thinking is knowing that the source of those changes are on the inside. It's through our faith. I'm not always the best Bible scholar. 
Uh, but I was astounded how many references that Jesus, one of the master teacher, made to miracle thinking in the New Testament. And I just wanted to share with you, obviously, Jesus is not the only one that performed miracles. Many of the great ascended masters did that, whether it was the, the Buddha or Kuan Yin or others. But of course, Jesus is legacy perhaps more accessible to us. And I wanted to share in Matthew 8 where he encounters the centurion. He says, when Jesus had entered Capertum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said, "Uh, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but if you would just say the word, my servant will be healed. Well, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such a great faith. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed in that instant. Now notice Jesus uh, didn't do some incantation, right? Jesus wasn't performing magic. Jesus wasn't doing anything. It was through this centurion's faith of healing that the healing accomplished. And so, you know me, I'm actually pretty good at the internet. So I looked for other resources in the Bible gateway that I use. And in Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And then in Mark 5.34, he said to her, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In Mark 10.52, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. In Luke 8.48, Then he said to her, Daughter, it is your faith that has healed you. Go now. And in Luke 18, 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. It's not about the incantations. It's not about doing the right thing. It's not about being in the right place. It is your faith that will heal you. And of course, I managed to find a joke about magical and miracle thinking. Let's try this on for size. So a USDA inspector is driving past a roadside apple stand when he notices the sign, Apple Seeds, guaranteed to make you smarter, $20 per seed. Well, he pulls over and informs the vendor that it is fraud and false advertising to make such absurd claims around magical seeds. Oh, no, no, the vendor tells the guy. It's absolutely not magic. My apples are a very special variety, a scientific miracle, if you will. Buy just one, eat the seed, and you will notice an increase in intelligence that will last at least a week. If not, I promise to refund your $20. Well, all right, said the inspector. But I got to tell you, if this doesn't work, I'm shutting this operation down. Well, he hands over the $20 bill, takes the seed, chews it up, and waits for some kind of an effect. Well, after a few moments, he points to a bag of apples, also for sale. You know, even if you're not lying, I could have just bought this bag of apples and I'd have enough seeds to last all year. Ah, yes, said the vendor. You see, it's working already. (laughs) 
And so how do we increase our faith? That's the real question, isn't it? How can we have the faith of the centurion? How can we know that what's going wrong in our lives can be healed? How can we dig deeply into our own heart, into our own mind, and actually begin expecting the miracles? You see, that's what Michael Tamara says here in the in the book, and I do believe it's true. It's not that God is not willing to perform miracles. It is our own belief in them. One of the reasons I think that the Bible is so filled with instances of miracles is because people believed in them back then. These days we want scientific proof, right? These days we want to know how it works. We're not satisfied with the fact that something can be turned around in an instant. We're not up for some sort of miraculous revelation. Instead, we want to know step by step how it works. It's like we're approaching it as though it were magic. I want to know how the trick's done. I want to know how the vanishing cabinet works. I want to know how Wingardium Leviosa can really allow the feather to rise up, right? I'm not content because I think anything that I can't see, anything that I can't touch, must be magic. It's not magic. It's faith. And how do we begin building greater faith? Now we get to move into the love part. We build faith through love, through loving ourselves, through trusting ourselves, through being present with an open heart to see the miracles that are all around us today as it is. Who are we, first of all, to decide what a miracle is? Have you thought about that? What actually is a miracle? A miracle is simply a reversal in circumstances. And every single day, people are having reversals of circumstances. What makes one of them a miracle and another one in, in operation? What makes one a, a miracle and another one getting a new job that pays better? Do you see what I mean? So often we're used to thinking in terms of a miracle being something that is uh, magical that we forget there are miracles happening every single day. And we begin noticing them more. We begin seeing them in our lives more when that heart is open, when we're actually looking through the eyes of love. You know, one of the secrets that's pointed out in the book that I just love is the idea of asking what love would do in a particular circumstance. And it's, of course, the, the spiritual practice and even the homework that I would like to entrust you with this week, if you're willing. The next time you're posed with something where you need to make a decision or where you're feeling stuck or where something is not going your way, pause for a moment and ask, what would love do in this circumstance? What would an open heart and an open mind do in this circumstance? I'm not going to react out of fear. I'm not going to do what I always used to do, right? We're going we're gonna to let go of those, uh, those things that happened in the past that may be highlighted in some negative way. Instead, we're going to know that we can move forward. We can actually expect a miracle. We can expect 
that reversal of circumstances when our heart is open and we're actually looking for the miracle. I'm actually expecting that healing to occur. I'm actually scanning my environment for the the possibilities of life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Some of you I'm getting the blank looks like, and, and I guess we're not used to doing that, right? We're not used to scanning our environment for what's good. Most of us, I'm afraid, are used to scanning our environment for what? For the things that could be a danger, for the things that stick out as negative, right? It's that bias, that mental bias that we talked about last week, where our brains are are highlighting the memories that are negative, that are making associations in the present day with things that happened poorly in the past. And so it's not surprising that this way of thinking may be unusual to you. It's not something we're used to doing, hence the homework. Let us begin scanning our environment for all the things that are going right. Statistically, about 85 to 95% of all of the actions that you take on a daily basis result in something positive. Do you believe that? It's true. Upwards of 85 and more percent of the actions we take result in something positive. Is that your feeling, though? See, for most of us, we tend to think, oh, no, 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 the things I do as often as not turn out poorly. Even my good deeds often turn out being punished, right? Have you heard that old saying, no good deed goes unpunished? It's it's the worldview that so often we make mistakes. It's flat out not the truth. And when we open our heart, to begin looking for the good, oh my gosh, you'll be bowled over. You will absolutely be bowled over at the good choices you make, at the possibilities that exist for you, at new ways of addressing life and working with people and so on and so forth. You will be ushering in a time of miracles. Simply through opening your heart, simply through seeing through the eyes of love. So let me use just a couple examples of how I see through the eyes of love. Oftentimes, it starts by something going wrong. That's where I have to catch myself, right? Because so often when something goes wrong, where would I tend to go in the past? I would tend to say something like, oh yeah, there it is again, right? My negative retrieval mechanism in my brain would associate the something going wrong with the some things that have gone wrong in the past. And I would go, oh yeah, there I am again, back in a pickle. You know, this relationship is going to go poorly. This issue is going to be unresolved. Well, to me, that's my little flag, right? Because I can notice that now. I put it like a little filter in my brain When something goes wrong and that first negative thought pops up, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know what's going on here, and I don't have to follow the negativity down a rabbit hole. I can simply choose to imagine that it might go all right. What if it all goes well? What if the condition reverses itself? What if an everyday miracle happens for me right now. 
And then you begin noticing the possibilities. It doesn't have to go the way that it went that other time. It doesn't have to be a negative situation. Yeah, I don't like this thing that happened right now that I'm looking at, but what if it brings more possibilities later? What if this has come up to be healed once and for all? What if this will just bring in additional opportunities as I digest what I have to do that's different this time? I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to approach this differently. And from the newness, from the difference, are the seeds of a miracle. Another way that you can look at this as well, you know, we tend to look in the past and notice some of the negative events. And we explained last week why that happened. But we can also use our past positive explorations to actually fuel our faith. What I know is, uh, with a little work, we can all remember days that were beautiful and happy. We can all imagine relationship issues that sorted themselves out. We were there. We, we experienced them. We have those good memories that we can draw on as well. And again, when I get to that point sometimes, when I'm noticing something that I'm not liking, a little hesitant, a little apprehensive about what's happening, I can look into my past and say, wait a minute. Remember 22 years ago when something like this happened, and it was marvelous. It worked itself out really well. I've actually experienced a little miracle there. Takes a little extra work. Remember that negative associations are more apt to come up first. It's okay. Let them go. Smile at them, nod, and say, oh yeah, I know where you're coming from. It's that faulty brain mechanism I have that sorts all the, the, the negative things to the top for me to retrieve. But there are some great examples in there of when things worked out super really well also so two techniques one look into the past know that you have solved some of these problems before use them as a way of bolstering your faith i did it before i can do it again i've seen that mini miracle in my own life before i can create it also and then the other method, again, through that filter, you notice that that little bit of negative thing is happening. You begin to turn on the eyes of love. What if it all went right? What if love could prevail in this instant? What if my open heart is willing to receive something new? It doesn't have to work like it has in the past. Today is a new day. Today I have new energy. Today love will make the way smooth and sure. So we've talked about a variety of things today. First of all, we talked a little bit about magical thinking and miracle thinking. Magical thinking, not all that useful. That's the wishful hopeful. That's the trying to move things around on the outside, hoping for the best, hoping for magic. Instead, miracle thinking is recognizing that God is here for you always, and the miracle is only dependent upon your faith in it. The miracle is only dependent upon your faith in it. And God doesn't even care whether it's big or small, right? The miracles in the Bible and, and other sacred texts throughout the world, gosh, 
it was everything from from curing some minor malady to parting the red sea right it's like god can do it god is all powerful it is only a matter of your faith in it and your ability to see beyond what has happened before and to claim something more positive in the future and then we also talked about the connection to love and one of the things that scientists have shown is that we cannot change our thinking when we are in distress I'm going to say that one more time. Scientists have proven that we don't actually change our thinking when we're in distress. When we're in distress, when we're in confusion, when we're being approached in an antagonistic way, scientists have shown that what we do is we dig our heels in. We absolutely dig our heels in. Nope, I'm not changing my mind. I I don't like what you're pitching my way. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to believe it. And and it could be anyone. It could be an expert in whatever field it is. You're not going to change your mind if they're in your face. We change our mind. We build our faith when our hearts are open. And so again, as we begin seeing through the eyes of love, What would love do in this circumstance? What would I allow into my heart based on love and newness? That is the basis for miracles. Well, I want to close today with a quote from the book and a prayer. So he says, Whenever we choose love, the open divine invitation becomes a divine intervention that transcends the known laws of cause and effect. Grace intercedes. That's the miracle. The simple truth of life is that God wants us all to have all that life has to offer and for us to fulfill all that is available in life. Love is the question that life continually answers. All that we need to do to enter into that sacred dance with a miracle is to ask to participate and graciously receive the hand that Spirit offers. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace, only this one thing. I call it God. I call it Spirit. It goes by many names, but there is only one. And in that one, is all good, is all life, are the miracles that we desire, those turnaround of circumstances, they're all available in that power that is God. And on this day, I claim for myself the faith for receiving that good, the faith for turning around those circumstances, the faith in knowing I don't even have to know the answer because the question is love and the answer is love. And in love, all will be made plain. All will be made available. All of the support of the universe will be there for me, for each one of us. And so for this, I give great thanks. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you. Thank you. Now is our time for conscious contribution. If you'd like to take out your gift or your tithe, for those of you online, you can go to our website at cslportland.org slash donate. If you'd like, take your gift and place it over your heart. Just repeat after me. Graciously, I give. Graciously, I give. From a place of love. From a place of love. Knowing that as I give, give, so so do I richly receive. 
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.